some people think little girls should be seen and not heard. One, two, three, four! People do feel very radically different about gender experience. I mean, that's just like the rules of feminism. That diversity is like the number one thing I think that has to be reckoned with. Agenda with Tanya Ali and Katie Winton. Good morning, you are listening to Agenda on FBI Radio, your Saturday morning fix of art, politics and trash from a feminist perspective. I'm Tanya Ali. And I'm Mari Stewart, filling in today for our usual co-host, Katie Winton. Um, Agenda on FBI Radio is broadcast on Gadigal land, and I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people as the original custodians of the land we broadcast on, and pay my respects to their elders past and present. I also acknowledge the significance of Redfern as a place of strength, resistance, knowledge sharing and storytelling for many communities and would like to honour that history. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Karen Therese, Tasha O'Brien and Mae Tran to chat about Playlist, a powerful new theatrical work from PYT Fairfield that explores the state of feminisms through pop culture and music. Tanya and I actually went to see the work last night and it was really good. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation. Um, We're also going to be chatting to Leah Jean McIntosh, who is the editor of Liminal Mag, an online space for the exploration, interrogation and celebration of the Asian Australian experience. Um, Some previous profiles Liminal has run include writer Michelle Law, musician Yo, and comic artist Lee Lai. So, Tanya, I think it's pretty safe to say we're both super excited to be chatting to Leah today. Oh my gosh, you know it, Mari. Um, We often ask interviewees on Agenda their dream, people in their field to collaborate with or interview. And Leah is based in Melbourne. It feels almost surreal that they're able to come in today. They're such a dream guest for both of us. I think we've talked about it quite Mm -hmm. a bit. Um, And it feels fitting that today for Thoughts That Count, we're talking about female, trans and non-binary Asian Australians who have influenced us. If there's someone who springs to mind for you, please do text us on 0409 945 945. We would love to hear your thoughts. And in other news this week, the New South Wales Police Force Facebook page has once again caused controversy, posting something of a public service announcement to the (laughs) women of New South Wales. It's a parody of Beyonce's Single Ladies, um, which I don't really want to read because it's so bad. <laughs> I'm going to read it out because I I do feel like we need to talk about this. <laughs> so the post reads in its entirety, uh, all the single ladies, all the single ladies. Now put your hands up. Up on your phone, surfing apps alone, doing your own little thing. You've decided to swipe, have a super like. Now someone's asking to meet. Keep yourself safe, safe. Tell a friend your meeting place, place, because it's only worth it if you're okay. You can't be playing with safety. And then, like, the weird music emoji. (laughs) Some wise words. Seriously, a word of advice. I don't know. Maybe don't try to make the police cool by trying to engage in meme culture on Facebook. Just a suggestion, especially because... Victim blaming seems to be a prerequisite for any New South Wales Police mm. social media post and I just don't understand who could have possibly thought this was a good idea. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. On a brighter topic, though, um, Sydney artist and agenda fave, formerly known as Kimchi Princey, has announced that she'll hereby be known as Princey. She posted on Instagram, I chose Kimchi Princey for a few reasons when I was starting out. The first one was because I couldn't think of many, 
any besides Rainbow Chan, Austra- Asian Australian artists in pop music here. So I imagined it as a way of signifying to others if they heard my tracks on radio or whatever that they would know. Um, I was always looking for Asian pop artists as a kid, so I wanted it to be a shout out to that. My view of the world was pretty skewed by other, what others thought of me. I chose Princey as the second half of the name because I liked the idea of not subscribing to being a princess or a prince, but just being whoever you want to be at any one time. I feel that's way closer to where I am now but and where I'm going. After all, she's that Princey. So, yeah, some pretty sweet words from Kimchi Princey, now known as Princey there. Um, let's take a listen to that track now. Um, this is Princey with She's That Princey. Language going on this one. You're on Agenda on FBI Radio. I can tell that you got an agenda You think it's all about the gender Give me that bullet, Hama Oh, they say she's that princey They don't wanna fuck with me But they wanna mince me I make it taste good Watermelon cakey I like to break wood Okay, bitch, she's crazy Say she's Asian with a peach Like an Ashley makes with Caucasian I preach at the Vatican Like me in a box Where they can show the box While I'm a house of bad bitch Mold it up Never forget girls are greater than great If anything happens You're just a mate Noticing a pattern With these throwing the bait Think I'm gonna catch that? Leave it to fate Gonna match that Don't do first dates Only let boys in who appreciate If I'm liking on him I'll initiate Hands around my waist no need to wait Like my cell, let's fornicate Doesn't matter, interstate Baby, we can play primates Decisions that I'm making decisions Look at my provisions I'm cooking in the kitchen Sweet little mission Got you wishing But you're missing out Take it easy, slow a little, little, take it easy, slow a little, little. 
just a thought, just a thought, just a thought, just a thought. Thoughts that count. Agenda on FBI Radio. What do you ask me? You're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio, and it's time for Thoughts That Count. This week, veteran broadcaster, fashion icon and Australian legend Leland Chin delivered her final bulletin after more than 30 years at SBS. As we approach the end of this evening's news, my final bulletin on SBS, I take my leave with sadness. Over the years, all my colleagues have featured very prominently and positively in both my life at the network and in my personal life. I'm sad as of all to leave you, the audience. Thank you for watching and a very good night. So, so sad. And I think Craig Foster put it best when he said that she redefined what it means for a presenter in Australia, what they should look like, how they should talk and certainly how they should dress. And I think it goes beyond just news presenters Though, um, growing up as an Asian kid in a very white part of Sydney, I think Lee Lin Chin was probably the first Asian woman I saw on Australian TV. Um, And not only was she visible, but she completely rejected the whole Asian nerd stereotype that was pretty pervasive in movies and TV shows that I grew up on. Um, She was actually cool. She was so, so cool. It's ridiculous. I'm so excited to see what Lee Lynchin does next because I feel like she may be done with news reading on SBS, but I reckon um, she's still got a heck of a lot of magic up her sleeve. (laughs) Definitely. We would love to hear your thoughts um, on Agenda this morning on Lee Lynchin's retirement. And also if there's any amazing female trans or non-binary Asian Australians who have influenced you or you just want to give a shout out to, text in on 0409-945-945. Please do text in. Um, this week I asked a couple of FBI legends that very question. Uh, so this is Reg Harris, FBI's assistant music director, who you may know as the host of Shortwave, which is a celebration of left of field guitar and DIY electronic music airing Tuesdays from 11pm to 1am. I guess the woman that's inspired me the most is my mother, who um, I guess you could classify as Asian Australian, but she was born in Fiji, uh, you know, in the Fiji Indian diaspora, which is the result of the British, uh, you know, colonial displacement. Um, But, you know, I I guess she grew up in a a culturally Indian household. Um, She dropped out of school at about the age of 17 and became a cadet journalist with the Fiji Times before getting a scholarship to a uni in Washington, D.C., um, and then eventually moving to Australia where she's worked for SBS and um, helped set up uh, Channel 31, which was a um, kind of multicultural media um, yeah, outlet in the 90s, and now she's an academic um, at Macquarie University where she teaches... Um, environmental communication and she's developed this methodology of participatory media with um, community groups in the Pacific Islands that are affected by climate change and, and other environmental issues and um, her name is Dr. Usha Sundar Harris so big ups to her if um, you know if you're in one of her classes you might know who she is love you mom bless 
Big shout out to Reg's mum, Dr. Harris. What a badass Asian. And to keep on the theme of mums, here's Alison Chan, the executive producer of All the Best, which you may have been listening to just an hour ago here on FBI Radio. I think a lot of people spring to mind when I think about Asian Australian women who've uh, affected and have inspired me, whether that be personally, professionally or creatively. Um, the first one is my mother, Louisa. She came to Australia from Hong Kong um, when she was in year 12 and um, she's the youngest of her family and she came by herself. I think that, um, you know, like she really had to find her own community here and had to be really independent at quite a young age. Um, and it's also meant that she had to make a lot of sacrifices to um, both for like her survival and also for her family as well. Um, so whether that be in terms of um, my studies or my work or my relationships, like my mother has been um, an incredibly supportive and caring and thoughtful presence in my life. Um, and I definitely would not be able to do the things I'm able to do now were, were it not for her support. You're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio and we're talking about female, trans and non-binary Asian Australians who have influenced us. We just heard FBI's own Red Harris and Alison Chan talking about their mums. And I'm going to jump on this little bandwagon because I absolutely have to thank my mum so much for pretty much everything. And as a kid of immigrants, I feel like it's so easy to lose sight of how incredible and complex our parents' journeys have been. Um, and my mom has always been so comfortable in her skin and really shown me how I should be um, and why I should be as well. And from familial female Asian Australian inspiration to professional mentors and role models, let's hear a little bit more from Alison Chan, the executive producer of All the Best. Another person that springs to mind is a... Vietnamese Australian writer, broadcaster, academic called Sheila Pham. Um, and we both once worked in a public broadcaster in Australia. Um, and basically, I was there as an intern, and she was the first Asian Australian woman that I saw in that section of the office. And what I basically did was I just like walked into her office and in my head, I was like, please be my friend. But I think what I was saying was a lot more professional. <laughs> um, and uh, that was quite a number of years, like that was like over five years ago that when we first met and um, we've been really good friends ever since. And she has also been really supportive with um yeah, both my work and my personal life as well. Um, and it's just really nice to have um, someone who's both a mentor and a friend who knows what it's like to be working in the media and in a creative field um, because it's not easy, but it's also incredibly worthwhile as well. Um, and I think it's it's really nice to have people on your side and on your team um, backing you and encouraging you and being there when things are great and also when things are difficult as well. You're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio and we're talking about some amazing female, trans and non-binary Asian Australians who have shaped us and influenced us um, and text in on 0409 945 945 if you want to give anyone a shout out. Um, Jerry from Redfern um, wants to give a shout out to Susie Rong. She's amazing, um, he says, and does great work reviewing theatre in Sydney, loving her work. So thanks, Jerry, for the text. Um, 
For me, I definitely feel like any Asian Australians who were visible without playing to stereotypes were pretty important in shaping my identity growing up. Um, there really wasn't anyone other than Lee Lin Chin on mainstream TV when I was young. So for me, I'd actually have to credit YouTubers like um, the Community Channel and some others that I'm a bit too embarrassed to mention. Um, and looking back, there were some pretty questionable jokes, especially from the channels that I won't mention. Um, but they were probably the first Asian Australians in any form of media that I actually related to. Yeah, I feel that Natalie Tran Community Channel was and still is such an important and relatable Asian Australian figure. Um, I think for me, I very much grew up rejecting my heritage and a lot of internalised racism meant that I didn't have that many Asian Australian role models when I was younger. But Amanda Wilkinson, who was the front woman for Operator Please, was a really, really big deal for me as a teenager. And I still think it's so cool that that band was fronted by an Asian Australian woman. Um, Broadcaster Linda Mariano is also a big one. She started her radio career right here at FBI Radio back in the day. And she actually went to the same high school as me. So she's always been someone that I've kind of looked up to. Um, and now, honestly, it's people like you, Mari, who inspire Aww. me on a day-to-day <laughs> basis. I feel so lucky to be part of a community of some Asian Australian femmes really, really killing it at the moment. I mean, musically, our whole playlist today is jam-packed with people who make me feel like it's possible to do anything. And there are people like Mindy Gill and Eleanor Jackson of Peril Magazine, Pranita Devaraja and Tanushri Saha. Um, they're all creative and professional inspirations to me and also wonderful friends. Um, and not to mention our next guest, Leah Jing McIntosh, an absolute angel um, who about a year ago... Uh, started Liminal Magazine a year and a half ago now, um, a website that spotlights creative Asian Australians, and they'll be joining us for a chat very, very soon. So excited. And speaking of Liminal, Hyun Lee is a writer, director and photographer based in Sydney who was featured on the site recently. My name's Hyun Lee. I'm a filmmaker and growing up, I watched a lot of SBS and looking back on it now, I realised when I watched the news how monumental Lee Lynchin was. She'd be reading like really serious world news while wearing whatever the hell she wanted, like these crazy Japanese designer clothes. And um, I remember she had her own show on SBS about fashion, which I watched like every episode of. And I guess for me, it meant that it was possible to be intelligent and politically aware and be involved in the arts. and. That was a bit of a revelation for me that it was possible to do both. That was Sydney-based writer Hyun Lee. She also directed a short film called Asian Girls featuring Rainbow Chan and it's going to be showing at the Melbourne International Film Film Festival (laughs) if you happen to be around for that. Stick around because up next we're going to be joined by liminal editor Leah Jean McIntosh and to take you there um, is an artist very close to my heart. Mitski is an amazing singer-songwriter who writes a lot of heartbreaking and beautiful love songs from her perspective as a half-Japanese, half-American woman. Um, This song in particular gives me all the feels. It's called Your Best American Girl. You're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio. I could 
You're tuned in to Agenda on FBI Radio with Tanya Ellie and myself, Mari Stewart. You just heard Mitski's Your Best American Girl, and we're joined in the studio now by Leah Jin McIntosh, editor of Liminal Mag, which is an online safe space for the exploration, interrogation, and celebration of the Asian Australian experience. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Mari. Hey, Tanya. Hello. (laughs) To start, can you tell our listeners um, what liminal is? Oh, you just did. (laughs) Um, Well, I guess that's our tagline, but I feel like we were a space, um, but we're actually now more of a community, a magazine, a poetry night, sometimes a group of people who go out for yum cha. (laughs) Um, But... Essentially, we publish a long-form interview with an Asian Australian every Monday morning, and we've started spotlighting Asian Australian artists every Wednesday, and we do a bunch of other things, I guess, but yeah. Cool. You're killing it. (laughs) (laughs) Big, big fan of Liminal over here. Both of us are. Um, 
Why is it important to you to showcase these stories of, of so many different Asian Australians? You're really cute. <laughs> um, more seriously, um, let's see. One of my favourite lines is from our interview with Michelle Law where she says that you can't be what you can't see. And I feel like it's really important to make us visible because there's no reason we shouldn't be. Mm. Um, oh, there's a really good line by Elizabeth Warren, which is like, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're probably on the menu. So Whoa. I right? <laughs> <laughs> So I kind of wanted to not only have a seat at the table, but make our own table, <laughs> make our own little little universe. Yeah. What have been some of the responses to Liminal, both inside and outside of the Asian Australian community? We've had, like, an incredible response. I think maybe a better way would be to, like, one of the best stories to do with Liminal mm. um, I've heard is um, it brought together uh, designer Viet Mi Bui and illustrator Kim Lam. Kim just, like, saw the interview emailed Viet Me Bui and they like last year they flew to Sydney together oh, Kim <laughs> Kim hung out at Viet Me Bui's like wedding wow. <laughs> so we we brought together this beautiful friendship and I think that's my favorite one but there there are so many more and yeah I think it's just all about bringing community together um acting as a kind of node or point for which people can meet yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, that is so <laughs> nice. I feel like also, yeah, the profiles are often so intimate in a way that interviews sometimes don't present as, and it does make you really feel like you know every single person who's profiled, so that doesn't surprise me that really friendships nice. have been born. Um, what have some of your favourite interviews been so far? That's like asking me to choose my favourite children, except I have like 65 children <laughs> and most of them are older than me. Um, hi. My favourite oh, favorite part of our last interview, which is with Andre Dow, is he he thanks his his partner Kat McInnes for just being like emotionally supportive and putting aside her own life to support him and his his endeavors um which is like phenomenal to be able to recognize that emotional support um yeah one of one of our um <laughs> one of our interviewees actually texted me this morning about you Tanya what, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah yeah um, which just shows how beautiful our Asian Australian community is. Um, let me see if I can if I can get it up. I'm can failing. you can you tell us who this texter in was? Um, Stephen Pham. Ah, good old <laughs> the Stephen. The notorious Stephen Pham texted in and said, "Tanya Ali's voice. Smash that like if you agree." <laughs> So, um, yeah, I'm going to smash that like. That is very flattering. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> Stephen came on FBI Radio like a couple of months ago, I think, to chat on Race Matters, which is a segment that happens on Up For It on Wednesdays. And he was one of my favourite guests that we've ever had. Really great dude. <laughs> Shout out to Stephen. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> Leo, what's been the biggest thing that you've learnt since starting Liminal? Hmm. Um, well, it, would, it started out really small. I thought it would just be a few conversations between pals. Um, I came home from my master's in London and I was feeling really lost and I just wanted to ha talk to people about 
what it meant to them to be Asian Australian. So I talked to Leah Lai, um, the comics artist, and James Robinson, who's a photographer now in New York, um, and kind of proposed it would just be a capsule collection of 20 interviews. Um, as I said, we're up to 65 with no, <laughs> no view of stopping. <laughs> um, and I think what I've learned is the Asian Australian community is here and it may have been hidden two years ago a little bit, but we're here and we're, we're not going away <laughs> and we're growing, <laughs> which is, yeah, it's kind of amazing. So, yeah, um, I think I've just learned that the community is it's ready to, yeah... <laughs> it's very <laughs> to exciting. Take full flight. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Totally. Thank you. Um, you have asked a lot of people that question: What does being Asian Australian mean to you? And you've gotten so many different answers. Um, what does it mean to you? Um, so, my my usual answer to this is: I'm gonna. I don't know, and I'm gonna keep doing liminal until I until I find out. Um, but I think. At the moment, for me, it just means being able to navigate multiplicities and and celebrate them um, in a way that we haven't really had the chance to do before. Yeah. Has has your answer to the question kind of changed from when you started Liminal? It's been shifting. It's it's been, that's a really good question. <laughs> it's been shifting. I should have I really should have tracked it as as it goes. So maybe I'll start doing that. Um, do you have like an interview bucket list of people that you would love to interview oh for the middle? <laughs> yes, Leela <laughs> Chin. Yeah. If you're out there, <laughs> I'm here. I'm ready to talk to you about your life. She can also um, come on agenda anytime. Yes, oh. <laughs> she's such a dream. You guys, um, you guys were talking about your moms before. Yeah. <laughs> My mom and Leela Chin are on the on the bucket list. I think. The reason why I'm so um, I'm so into the concept of Asian Australian representation is growing up in Australia. My my mother, who's Chinese American, made a really strong effort to find picture books filled with um, Asian representation, um, and just kind of integrated them into all the other books we were reading. So we were able to, as children, see ourselves which I think made a, a pretty long-lasting impact. That's so important, yeah, mm. and awesome for your mum to have done those yeah. hard yards because I feel like, I don't know, when we were growing up, it was probably harder than it is now to find picture books with mm. any sort of representation. Yeah. <laughs> pretty dire. <laughs> um, we have been talking about Lee Lynch in today quite a bit and we just mentioned her then. Um, Leah, why do you think that she's been so important uh, for positive and diverse representation of people of colour in Australian media? <sighs> I don't even know how to begin to explain. <laughs> she's just this overwhelming kind of point of reference for every Asian Australian I know she was the only person who was just there for the whole time we were growing up mm. she was a constant um my friend and one of our interviewees actually Emma Doe wrote this like phenomenal piece for SBS the other day called Leela Chin's greatest style moments oh, yes. um there were so many there oh <laughs> I, she yeah but um one of Emma's lines is Leela Chin was just or is still just the most revered Asian success story of white as hell Aussie media. Mm. And I think 
that's she's just this like lodestar that we we follow <laughs> um yeah she's someone to look up up to and she's basically the asian jesus uh-huh yeah but better <laughs> but, more but better she never would have been crucified <laughs> Um, thank you so much for joining us on Agenda today, Leah. Um, we'd love to finish off this interview with a song request, if there's anything you'd like us to play. Um, I do, I do. Um, one of the first Asian-Australian musicians I listened to um, was actually Rainbow Chan. And I know this is a deep cut, but could you please play Loveful? Yeah. <laughs> Her cover of the cut. The Cardigans? It's yeah, The Cardigans, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this was one of Rainbow Chan's earliest releases. I think um, it came out in maybe 2012 <laughs> um, or 2013. So let's let's take a listen. This is a very cute one. Thank Thanks. you again so much, Leo, for joining <laughs> us. Thanks, Tanya. Thanks, Mari. Up next, we're going to be chatting to Karen, Therese, um, Tasha O'Brien and Maytran about playlist um, a genre-defying multi-art form performance work described as Beyonce meets the women's marches meets Australian Idol. So stick around for that um, coming up right after Raymo Chan's Loveful. Ah. Uh-huh. 
on today's show has been curated by Music New South Wales to showcase women in electronic music. Fly, let them fly. 
That was Flower Boy with A Shallow Pool and you're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio. We're joined now in the studio by Karen Therese, Tasha O'Brien and May Tran to chat about Playlist, um, which is a powerful new theatrical work from PYT Fairfield exploring the state of feminisms through pop culture and music. And Tanya and I got to see it last night, actually, um, and it was amazing. So welcome to the studio. Hi. Hey. How are you doing? Hi. Um, firstly, can you all run through um, how each of you are involved in Playlist? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Karen Therese, and I'm the artistic director of PYT Fairfield and the director of Playlist. I'm Tasha O'Brien. I'm one of the performers, and all the performers are co-divisors. Yes, and I'm May, and I'm also a performer and co-divisor in the work. Who else is involved in kind of the background of the production? Well, um, the other main um, collaborator, because it's a dance theatre work, is Larissa McGowan, who's, um, you know, just an amazing uh, choreographer and um, dancer. um, And... Yeah, and dramaturg Kate Armstrong-Smith, who was um, very much with the show the whole time. Uh, we've got Zanny Begg, visual artist Zanny Begg, designed the work. And uh, Verity Hampson on lights, um, Gail Priest and Jasmine Guffond um, on sound. So there's like 10 women, five mm-hmm. women makers and, uh, and five women on stage. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, let's talk about the incredible cast. Aside for you, from you, uh, Tasha and me, who else is in the cast? So there is Abube, who is a, an actor and filmmaker and an incredible dancer. Um, Nedataha, who is um, a dancer, but now can call herself anything she wants. Yeah. <laughs> triple threat. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and Mara Konezhevich, who is our pop star like the pop star of the group she's literally she's also called Mara Duke because she's this amazing Spotify woman musician <laughs> just amazingness yes. um, yeah such an incredible and really diverse cast um, and most of the dialogue um, we noticed was pretty personal to each cast member yeah. um, can you talk us through what the writing process was like uh, yeah. I mean, just first on that diverse cast, I mean, I think, you know, I think Australia is really contemporary and the, the reality of Australia is that, that um, you know, Australia is diverse. So mm. I like to, you know, call it contemporary Australian rather than diverse. It's just not monotone. <laughs> so if you next time you have an all-white cast, just call them the monotone cast. <laughs> you know, you've got to do it. You've got to start doing it. Uh, so the writing process, so my, um, my process is... Um, you know, I used to study, I did a lot of research into conversation. I used to run these 100-people dinner parties and um, for quite a few years. And so I literally get everyone in and we all sit around in a big circle and we talk. And they're curated conversations. Like I'm, you know, very strategic about uh, what, you know, what is said and have questions but also very open. So we do that for like two hours, like one to two hours every morning. And um, a lot of the writing, and I record it and, um, you know, kind of draw out some of the um, conversations. And then the other um, text, you know, they they wrote from, uh, res- you know, responses, responding to some, um, uh, you know, concepts and ideas that, that um, were put out there. And uh, so they had to go go and, and, and write, write stuff. So it was just constant. Um, 
you know, they had to really write a lot, particularly in that first month. Mm. And what was that process of sharing like for you, um, May and Tasha? Was it hard to open up or was it like a really um, welcoming environment where you could share really personal things? I love the opportunity to talk. So (laughs) when we were told to share, I was like, cool, do you have a timer? Because I won't stop. Um, It was great. It was a really safe, supportive room and a safe, supportive environment where you really felt like you could say anything you wanted. You could get it off your chest. You could ask questions if you didn't understand something um, because the wealth of knowledge between all the cast and all the creatives was just phenomenal. So it was... uh, very inclusive and just yeah it was really easy really easy yeah no I would like to second that um I also love talking about myself (laughs) um but it was I don't know because of the energy in the room mostly because there was you know an all-female cast and creative team it felt so safe PYT Fairfield has almost become like a home away from home for me like those conversations felt like therapy they felt like church you know um yeah the circle of love the circle of love (laughs) uh karen how much of the work do you think would change with a different cast or like would this play have even worked with a different cast uh well i mean the cut the the stories are from the cast we did have a cast change halfway through um with Coco Carrie leaving and Neta Taha coming in. I think essentially the concepts of the work are there and, you know, you know, hopefully we get to do a lot of seasons. Um, but, you know, and, and, and cast may have to change, but it doesn't, but we'll keep the content. I think, you know, the concept of making the work, um, you know, I had and, and wanted to do it. We had 40, 40 people audition, um, but this, this, this version of playlist is because of this cast and the skill of this cast. I think this show is is exceptional because of this cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think you know, as an artist, you 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 know, and I've worked with you know young emerging artists for a long time, and everyone you know, there's a lot of really talented people out, but this cast is is really extraordinary. I mean, you know, the writing and the 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 the, the skills. Um, and, and, you know, Larissa kind of um, just was throwing massive contemporary dance, like, <laughs> Corey at them, and they were just, like, picking it up. You know, the first week they were like, whoa. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, they're not they're not professional dancers. She's like, doesn't matter, it's fine. They were just picking up. I mean, we picking it up really great and just receiving it so, so quickly. And then we're like, okay, pick up this choreography, now say these lines, and now do this. And it's just constant. Like, there's so many layers in what they're doing. So... I just think I think you know a, a cast makes a show and a, and and the collaboration the process makes a show so I just think eh, the ten of us were just um, you know we're just we were just really lucky mm. yeah um, playlist was already in development when the Me Too movement happened mm. um, did this change um, the development of the work at all or your approach to it I mean. What was it? The second week that yeah, second um, week. the like all the Me Too stories started breaking, and I remembered the rehearsal room, which had been in the first week we'd been getting to know each other and telling our stories and stuff. But when this hit, it was so grounding. I remember crying in the rehearsal room, yeah. just all sitting there and us like sharing our stories and talking about 
what this meant, like what the implications were and what it meant to us personally as the artists. The conversations deepened mm. and it became more sacred. And I didn't set out to go, okay, we're doing an all-women thing with all-women artists. It's just that it got to the point that we couldn't, didn't feel like we wanted or could have men in this room with mm. these conversations that we were having. So it kind of shaped the artistic team. And, uh, yeah, I, for me it just felt so sacred and so, um, like, like we were so lucky to be at that time coming together every day. Mm. Yeah, I feel as if um, without the development period going on, the way I received the Me Too movement would have been very different. Coming into mm. a workspace and receiving support and having people who understood what it was like to be a woman in the industry at a time when all this stuff was coming out, it's it was like nothing short of miraculous. It was so supportive. It was odd in its timing. It was sort of very grounding in what we wanted to do when we were discussing what do we want this show to say, what do we want to be making, and suddenly it was there. We were like, oh, if we're going to do something about feminism, we have to do something that is current, what's going on in the current political climate, you know, that we're facing and that we can deal with. And as soon as the Me Too thing happened, we were like, okay, we have to do a response to this, our version of it, you know, whether that involved saying the words Me Too or not, it came, it was a bouncing point. Yeah. I mean, we were going to do it. We were going to do the the work that we were doing, that we're already doing. It just happened to just um, land. I mean, the Me Too just land, landed, um, you know, just blew up in the same time. And I think that makes us very lucky again that, uh, yeah, we had that space together. Could you quickly touch on um, how or why you decided to use music as a vehicle of sharing personal experiences? Uh, because we were originally going to do, um, we had a panel for um, Vivid a few years ago called Pop, Pop Culture Migration Revolution with the great, which is headlined by the amazing Candy Royale and... Um, and there was a lot of women on that panel and um, I hadn't decided what kind of work I was going to make. We were going to make a work about the Arab Spring and how hip-hop um, was used by Middle Eastern young people to change, um, you know, as, as, an, as a non-violent means of protest. But, you know, I was kind of interested in that idea. But, but once I kind of saw these women speak and perform at, at the Vivid event, I was like, I just want to make a work about women and I want it to be something that I can I can make and I know about. I used to work in record stores. That was my job, you know, from I think like, uh, you know, 20, 20 to 25. And so I really love a song and I spent, you know, as one of those kids just going through the record store every day, any time. So I just wanted to... You know, and I, um, my partner and I had just have a ton of like playlists. Just like this is our Berlin playlist. This is a, you know, songs that we just play every morning, that that binds us together, binds our history together. Mm. So I just wanted to make it about that, you know, just and the fact that it's, you know, women talking about music, ah, uh, that was really refreshing to me. I hadn't, I went, this is crazy, but this is kind of new, yeah. and you don't hear enough of it. So I was just gonna do that. Karen, um, May and Tasha, thank you so much for coming in um, to speak with us on Agenda this morning. 
Uh, playlist is running from August 2 to 11 um, at PYT Fairfield, and tickets uh, start from $15 online. $15, yep. Um, um, 30 for, ad- uh, you know, grown ups with jobs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, through pyt.com.au. Um, you can find out more um, information through our program page. Just head to fbiradio.com and go to the Programs tab and click on Agenda. You can also listen back to this show and any previous episodes over there. Agenda's going to be taking a short break, so you won't hear us next week, but we'll be back on August 19. And if you miss us, you can check out the Agenda podcast on your favourite podcast app. We're going to leave you now with Elsa's Dark Room. Um, thanks for hanging out with Tanya and myself, Mari, on Agenda this morning. Stick around for Weekend Lunch up next.
is when they all 